Welcome back to Houndcast. My name is Dylan Starr, and in this episode, I hopped on a Zoom with Kayla Herr, class of 2019. Kayla graduated from Moravian with a degree in public health and is this year's Shining Lights Young Alumni Achievement Award recipient. Continuing with the theme of success, we talked about Kayla's experience with Turning Point of the Lehigh Valley, Neighbors in Health, and her current job with the BRAVE program in South Florida. We hope you enjoy this episode. My name is Kayla Herr. I graduated in 2019, and I was studying public health. I was reviewing what you did at Moravian and what you've done since then. And it just seems like you are a very driven person. Oh, thank you. It's really interesting, too, because when I was at Moravian and I would tell people I was studying public health, many of them didn't know what it was. And one of their first responses would be, oh, what's public health? And now since the pandemic happened and over the last couple of years, it's become much more popular. And now everybody knows what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So you got into the field like just before everything got insane. Yes, I did. Whoa. So were you in the field like a whole year? Or was it just like a few months? About a year uh, because let's see, COVID started more in March of 2020. Uh, so I graduated in 2019. I had a couple months under my belt. This season, we are exploring the idea of success. And that can mean a variety of things to different people, but it can also mean a variety of things to one person. You know, we all have different parts of ourselves. So like we have our work person and then we have our home person. And sometimes we even have like our family and our friends person, you know, we're broken up into many different parts. Um, When you graduated, how were you seeing the world and what did you think about success? Success, it's hard to define. I was thinking, you know, these are the things that I have to do in order to be successful. And I was thinking really big end goals. So first off, after graduating, I just remember thinking, I need a job. It's going to happen really quickly. Not at all the case. And I was putting a lot of pressure and stress on myself. Applying for jobs is a full-time job. And you don't realize just how much time that takes until you're actually doing it. I think it took me six months out of college to get a job. And when you do, it may not be the perfect job. There's going to be things you like. There's going to be things you don't like. But each experience is a learning opportunity. One thing that my mentor told me that sticks with me, I used to be somebody who was afraid to ask questions. I didn't want to sound silly. Now, without hesitating, I raise my hand and ask the question because if you never ask, you never know. Chances are people in the room have the same question. And even if they don't, maybe it's something they don't even think about. So when you're working, ask the question, ask the why, because maybe there's improvements in process that your organization didn't even think about. That is good for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's okay to make mistakes too. You're learning. Even the person who's your supervisor is learning and you're never done learning your craft. So even though right now I'm manager of operations, I'm still learning from my staff. It's always a learning opportunity. Just remember that throughout your day. You said you just moved down to Florida like a year, year and a half ago? 
Yeah. So right after college, what I did is I worked at Turning Point of Lehigh Valley. So I worked there for a few months as a medical outreach advocate. So while I was there, I was working with survivors of domestic violence. I went through a lot of trainings. And then from there, because it was a long commute, I was driving from New Jersey at that point in time, because again, success looks different from everyone. I was living at home. And so with that, then I transitioned over to working in the hospital setting. And I was working in Patterson, New Jersey, uh, with a program called Horizon Neighbors and Health as the Social Determinants of Health Coordinator. Um, So what I did there is I was managing a team of community health workers. And it's very similar to social work, where we're helping to navigate people's social needs, helping them with rent assistance, getting the doctors that they need helping them pursue their goals and determining what's success for them for sustainable support. So I did that for a little bit over a year too. And then I recently moved down to Florida about a year ago. Um, Throughout the pandemic, I was working remotely. And when I came to Florida, they allowed me to transition slowly out of that role until one, I could find something that would be a good fit for me down here. And two, I could also train who was going to take on my responsibilities. So it gave them time to also find the right fit. From there, I went and I worked for Flagler Health Plus, which is now U of Health St. John's. And I worked as the Brave Regional Manager for South Florida. Brave program, long story short, we're funded by a house bill and we're expanding the program across the state of Florida. And it's focused primarily on getting kids plugged into counseling services. If they can't afford counseling services, what we'll do is we'll fund those sessions so that it's not a barrier to care. Then after about a year in that role, I grew into the position that I'm in now, which is the manager of operations for the department. So I'm now overseeing the Brave program and our mobile outreach clinic, our general navigation program, our insurance navigation program, our utilization prevention program, and also our technology support. Uh, So it's a lot of different things, but a lot of them are aimed at the same goals of improving health outcomes and getting people the resources they need in a sustainable way. In the workforce, are there any specific projects that you could really define success with? One of the big successes that I like to highlight because I think that it is so different and we're actually getting recognized by Mental Health America because nobody else out there is doing this program like we are. But the Brave Summit is a portion of the Brave program. It actually came from one of my coworkers. They started it before I got there. And it's an environment where youth can foster their mental wellness. So she likes to call it the Coachella for youth mental health. And it's a place where youth can come. They can feel safe. It's meant for teenagers. And it, it gives them an environment where they can have those conversations to foster mental wellness. So it's designed to not have many adults. It's enough for safety. We have security. But it's supposed to be a fun environment where mental health is okay to talk about and to normalize those conversations. This year, we're planning our fourth annual Brave Summit. It's in one of our premier concert halls here in St. Augustine. It's an outdoor amphitheater. We have live music entertainers. We bring kids in from dance teams, from band, from open mics. We have a huge 
skateboard ramp that we bring in and we bring professional skaters who have struggled with mental health and they come talk about their experience after they skate on the ramp. We have keynote speakers come, vendors. Uh, the youth come and they get a ton of resources. We had over 30 vendors last year and I'm sure it's going to grow this year. We're still seeing those registrations roll in. And it, it's just such a positive, fun vibe. The youth want to talk about their mental health. We had over a thousand kids attend. It's free. We pay for the school buses to get the kids there to really break down those barriers so that they'll come. We're hoping this year we'll get 2,000. We've been increasing by double each year. And we have some bigger name artists come in. Uh, so I never thought I would be wearing an event planner hat where I'm talking to management booking agencies and <laughs> use mental health vendors and food trucks to throw this giant event for the community. The student, the youth that you bring in, it, do you advertise at different schools? Yes. So we have a subcommittee that is labeled as outreach. Right now we have them going out into schools. They're going to more the local ones. It's an event that's open to the entire state of Florida. Probably people from Miami aren't going to bus up here just because it's a little bit far, but the local schools, they're, they're all coming. Um, our BRAVE program, we work with the school districts. We accept referrals from the school districts of youth that need mental health services. And then we have case managers who call the families. How it works is within 24 to 48 business hours, we're calling that family, completing an intake with them and taking the stress of navigating the system because, you know, they're not an expert in insurance. They're not an acceptance an expert in wait lists. These are the things that we know and we keep tabs on so we can get people plugged into services faster. So we are constantly in touch with the school districts for our program, which is free to them, by the way, because it's funded by the state. And they send the <laughs> to uh, the event as well after school. It's yeah. I feel like, you know, you're getting older when you use the term youth. I know. I feel a bit of an old soul and I'm finding out what's cool and what's not. Apparently, you know, the trucker hats are in again. I was like, oh, let's give away bucket hats. And I got told no. And I'm like, man, that's what was cool when I was in high school. So thanks, guys. <laughs> right after graduation, I talked about how I focused really on the big goals that I felt I had to do. Now I focus more on the little day-to-day -day goals. Even getting to work, looking at my inbox and seeing, oh my goodness, there's 160 emails in there. Getting through those emails, that's a success for my day. <laughs> and less individualized and more team success. So I stopped asking, what do I need to be doing? But what can I be doing to help my team? Because they're going to in return help me and we're going to be more successful together than I would be trying to get all these tasks done by myself. The big picture is you can't get there until you're handling all the little things. Yeah. And, you know, and it also takes a step back too. And this also mixes with the personal just because of the nature of my work is social work. And I see a lot of families coming through that, you know, they have no idea how they're going to put food on their table. They have no idea how they're going to pay for their rent. They're living out of their core. Just looking at those day-to-day -day successes of getting those families housed, getting them connected to food pantries. I kind of lost that in a way. Like I was getting stuck in my day-to-day -day and I really forgot the outcomes that the work was doing. 
So when I got the call that I won this and was selected, it made me take a step back and say, what is it that I really am doing? Because you can't forget, you know, your end mission and what drives you and motivates you in your day. Definitely. I imagine it's hard to separate yourself. I mean, hearing all of these cases that they need lots of help, not just yours. Um, is it hard to disconnect? It is. And especially this is something that I did learn early on because I knew that my passion was to help people. I recognized in my internships when I was doing that more one-on-one case management with families, I knew that I wouldn't be able to do that long-term. Where I could be more successful was supporting those that could. I'm supporting community health associates right now who are the ones who are doing that one-on-one interaction with the families and helping them achieve their goals to get them plugged into services. I find that's where I'm the most successful and that's what works for me. But it is definitely hard. I know that I'm somebody who will wear my heart on my sleeve. And that's why it is important to practice self-care and to make sure you do set boundaries for yourself. It's hard to see that, especially when you're working with 60 different families who are all struggling or all have a sad story and you just want to be there and help them through everything and give them everything that they need. And it's good when you have that supportive structure or those coworkers that you feel that you can talk to and you make sure at the end of the day, okay, I am going to close down work and I'm going to focus on myself because I know that I can't help others unless I'm okay. It's really important that our organization and our department does value self-care so much. I know that it's one of our interview questions. How do you practice self-care? Because we want to set them up and recognize that the nature of the work can be hard and it can be heavy. I think that's also something that's changed drastically since COVID came around. The conversation around mental health alone has brought us forward in terms of like where we need to go with conversations like that. Absolutely. I mean, that's the whole goal of BRAVE, which by the way, stands for Be Resilient, Voice Emotions. That house bill allows us to really destigmatize mental health and encourage people to have those conversations and get the help that they need. When we get those referrals in for those families to get them plugged into counseling services, not only are we able to get them plugged in quickly. So right now our data, the success is showing that we're getting families plugged in in 11 days, which I will say is almost unheard of because usually there could be like a six-month wait list. We're getting them the help quickly, which I think also helps with that because there's sometimes some hesitancy. So if you're saying, okay, we'll get you help, but you need to wait 90 days, they could change their mind and not want to talk about it anymore. So I think it's really amazing that we have this structure in place with Brave that we're able to get the kids the services that they need. Yeah, I didn't even think about the timing. Timing equals success. You have to go at the right time and then stick with it. Yeah. Right now we're in four different school districts and we're planning to be in 11 school districts this year. So we're expanding quickly. Last year was four. We had over 2,400 referrals. So that was 2,400 kids that were getting the help that they needed. And we had over a 90% engagement rate. Wow. I feel like this is... Just a conversation that needs to be out there. You have such an incredible story and I think that's a good perspective on life. I think figuring out who you are, what your values are, then puts you up on the trajectory of where you think you should be going. And even then it's flipped upside down 10 times. Absolutely. And it's okay for it to change too. Yes. I didn't think I was going to move down to Florida and I was really scared because I was thinking, oh my gosh, what if I can't find a job? 
And I was worried that I was going to make a decision that was totally going to put me off on the wrong path. And it turns out it ended up being the best thing for me. And I'm incredibly happy. And yes, sometimes I stay at work late, but that's because I genuinely love what I'm doing. As cliche as that sounds, I get lost in my work and I recognize that what I'm doing is having some sort of outcome. Thanks for listening. We are so grateful that Kayla took time to sit down with us for this episode. We have plenty more in store for you this season, so come back on March 1st for the next episode.